0: Uh, praise the Lord don't you love Jesus today yeah he's good isn't he let's dive right into the word I I hope tonight that we're gonna bring some clarity concerning some things that that I know we've been facing talking to some of you guys uh, just over the past couple weeks we know that you're going how many of you is just kind of in this crazy fight four four five okay there they go yeah Uh, just uncommon. And, uh, you know, I'm going to try to bring some clarity concerning that and and what the Lord wants to accomplish in us, what the promises of God are for us in this moment when it seems like every turn, every time you turn around, the enemy wants to slap you again. And it seems like, you know, this is going wrong. We've encountered just nothing really major, but there's a In the book of Acts, there's a portion of scripture that said King Herod set out to harass some from the church. And that word harass, it's vex. It's just to go out and create havoc and to make sure. And the purpose of all of those things is to wear down the saints. And when we get wore down, we begin to lose focus and we begin to focus on the attack of the enemy instead of focusing on that which God wants to release in us and through us to the culture that is around us that we are called to see victory in. Amen. The Bible says, and again, uh, as Pastor got up and said this, this theme for this month, is 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now abide, faith, hope, love these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, just to kind of little bit of review where we're at in scripture concerning this, why is Paul uh, releasing this to the Corinthian church in this manner? Uh, Paul is addressing the church at Corinth about making sure. Now, hear me when I say this. It's going to be a review, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I grew up, and I know this church is a Pentecostal church, we believe in the power of God, but Paul is addressing a situation that is going on to make sure that the church of Corinth is not getting so zealous for spiritual manifestations that it overrides their revelation of Jesus. And, you know, we live in this day and in this time where people are after a feeling. They just they just want a feeling. They don't want to be rooted. They don't want to be grounded. They don't want to be faithful. But they, when they come into the house of God, they want this pick-me-up type of feeling to go about their business. And hopefully one of these days when I come back, then I'm going to get another type of feeling that's going to help me get through to the next thing. I remember reading a story by uh, uh Kenneth Hagan a long time ago, he said he went into this revival, and he had preached, and the power of God had come in. People were being filled with the Holy Ghost, and, and the power of God was just doing amazing things, setting people free, and then the next year, he came back. It was a recurring thing, and he come back for a revival in the same church, and there was this lady in the church. She said, you know what? I, I experienced the power of God. God set me free last year in this revival, and you know what? I have been waiting a year for this to happen again because the enemy has been fighting me ever since that last revival. And guys, if we're not careful, that's the life that we live. We get an encounter with the Lord in a public setting like this in the house of God. And there, hear me when I say it, there's nothing wrong with that. I thank God that we have encounters with the Lord. Those moments that he comes and just blasts us and we encounter him that brings a lasting change. But I also don't want to live my life waiting for that moment to happen again. Because what happens is we live in a culture right now that is so fascinated with the supernatural realm they'll start going after and anything that makes them feel good they'll say is acceptable Anything that makes them kind of feel like this is better than what was yesterday, something to numb the pain, this is better, and this is more grand than where I'm currently at. And then we start moving into this thing called the mysticism, which will get us in a whole lot of trouble that's going to open up the door to a whole lot of demonic activity when the whole time we thought we was doing something for God. And guys, we've seen this and and it's beginning to to gain territory and it's beginning to gain ground and and we're seeing what the Bible said about in these last days, doctrines of demons would come out and I think it's people looking for a feeling and just taking whatever comes and it's moving them into an ideology that is absent of truth. And we've got to make sure that this war on our life, it, it does not lead us astray, but it pushes us right into the very crosshairs of the word of god and the thing that he wants to manifest in us guys this is the strategy of the enemy this is the strategy of the enemy as long as he can quiet that longing and that hunger in you for more and in place of that put perversion then he wins We, we see it all over the territory we see it all over the region What started out as something that was hunger and what started out as something that was pure ended up moving into that realm of perversion because we would not make sure it was baptized in truth. But this is the strategy of the enemy. As long as he can quiet that hunger, then we will never understand that we sometimes can be lacking in the areas of our life that is called to bear more fruit than anything else. And guys, hear me when I say this, I love The roots of Pentecost. You can even go back and you can look at some of the mainline denominational. Uh, uh, When I was ordained in the church of God and I went through the book uh, that I had to study in order to do that, it was rooted in holiness, Everything you read in that book stem from holiness. And you go back and you look at any mainline denominational Pentecostal church and everything is rooted in holiness. It may be in the book that it, you, we're called to study in order to get the ordination. The only problem is is so many people are moving away from holiness and saying, you know what, as long as we have manifestations, we're okay with that, but let's just skip over the holiness part because it's not exciting. Now, I also want us to understand something, that your performance will never gain you holiness. Amen? Why are we holy? Because of the blood of Jesus. That's it. But your holiness will move you into a realm of performance that will begin to draw people to him. Amen? Amen? Your holiness, because we are holy, it should move something in us to live a life that is biblically centered, that will cause people to know the truth, and the truth will set them free. Right? Because as much as we like to say, you know what, when people come in here and they hear and they see the power of God at work, it's going to change them forever. But, guys, we've had some knockdown, drag-out services. People can come up and fall on the floor and get up and leave and go live in hell the same way they lived before they came in. We've seen it. How many times have we seen people come to an altar, and, I mean, they are weeping, they are going after it, and then they get up and nothing has changed? Anybody ever seen that before? Has anybody ever done that before? We've done that. And you know, it's not that we don't want to change, but sometimes we go after an experience instead of after truth. And we've got to make sure that our experience is baptized in truth so we will begin to lead in the right direction. But guys, this is the war that we are facing by the enemy. There is a strategic assault by the enemy to make sure we are blinded And deceived by the voice of truth. If you was here Sunday morning, Pastor Zach got up here and he talked about a dream that he had. And do you remember that, what he was talking about? There was somebody, while he was preaching in his dream, came up with a pillow right here in the front, threw the pillow down on the ground, and they just laid down and went to sleep. That's crazy. But in, in the same manner, there's a commotion going on. So on this side of the room, he looked over, there's a person who was foaming at the mouth that kind of represented somebody who was demonically possessed and people was rebuking, people was praying, people was declaring. But because everybody's focus shifted over to the work of the enemy, it got us in a place where we did not hear the voice of God. And guys, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of times when it seems like one thing after another happens, and you get hit, and you get hit, and you get hit, and you get hit, you start bracing for the next hit, the next assault, the next attack from the enemy, and you completely lose all focus concerning the word of the Lord that is caused to make you walk in victory. And that's a strategy of the enemy to get us into a place where we won't be the people that God has called us to be to reach out into the culture to see people in the harvest come in and be born again, set free, then they begin to operate in the fullness. We can't ever hope for a church to operate in fullness if we are not currently operating in fullness, right? You know what I love about the story, there was a man that had a withered hand. In the Bible, and when Jesus told him to stretch forth that hand, the Bible says this, it became as whole as the other. Meaning he didn't have to go through a process, but it came in direct contact with the way that God intended it to be because it became just like the one it was connected to. A lot of times when people come into a church that is lost, they get redeemed and they start operating in the same manner that the people of the church they're connected to is already operating in. It's amazing to me because you can see somebody coming to a realm where there's apostolic leadership and prophetic utterance, and they will begin to flow in those things, not because they've been seasoned and not because they've been trained, but because that becomes the very atmosphere that they get birthed in. And when they get birthed into that, they grow up in that, and they begin to understand more quickly things that took us years to begin to understand. And it's amazing so guys, what we've got to do is operate in fullness so that way it gives other people an opportunity to, to, to speed the process up in their life for them to step into fullness. Because I am want to tell you this, people in this room, a lot of you have fought a fight for years to get to this point. You have fought hell itself to get to this point. You have prayed. You have fasted to begin to see strongholds begin to fall down for us to get to this point so we can begin to inherit something that may not look like what we've always been in. But yet it's still going to be full of glory. And it's still going to be full of power. And it may not look and it may not sound like it, but it's still going to be the power of God setting the captive free. And I thank God for that. I was raised in a church, and we're going to get into this about the war that is upon the saints concerning your faith, your hope, and the love that you were called to shed in the earth for the sake of Christ. But I was raised in, in a church that I, I remember the old dancing, the shouting, the people falling in the floor, the pew walking, the running, and it was all great, and I thank God for it. I believe that is what made me who I am today, the, the power of God that was manifested. But I also remember hearing stories that people could go through that, be in church and have the power of God hit, and they could dance and they could shout and they could whoop and they could holler and they could buck and they could roll and all that stuff. But when they get home, they get on the phone and talk to their friends from church about how everybody else is not moving with the program about how, and they begin to gossip and they begin to tear people down. But here's the thing. Saying, if the power of God is coming into a place, it should manifest not just in manifestations, but it should manifest in our ability to walk holy before a holy God, right? Because you may say this is old-fashioned, but we still believe in living right. And I know that's not popular, but I don't care. It's true. It's true. And the stories that you hear, and I think, well, I'm not going to get on that Facebook soapbox. I don't have Facebook, but some of the stuff that goes on on Facebook is an indictment against the people of God, right? Because we're not showing forth love. We're not showing forth purity. We're not showing forth holiness. What we are doing is we are acting like the world, but putting a label on top of that that says, I'm a born again believer. We'll get off that. I know some of y'all didn't like that, so. (laughs) Hallelujah. The power of the spirit or manifestations are absolutely correct. And they are absolutely needed and they are absolutely necessary. But the avenue in which they come may have more of a lasting effect than the gift itself. And I I, want to explain that. People remember how you act and not just the power that you have. Here's the deal. I thank the Lord that God works in in several people in the words of wisdom, in the words of knowledge. You know, discerning of spirit, the gifts of the spirit. But how would it be if we came in here and walked up to somebody and we had a word from the Lord and we give them that word of the Lord And then afterward, they come up and they're going to thank you because you hit the nail on the head and then you look at them and act like they don't even exist and don't bother you. What do you think they're going to remember? That word of the Lord or are they going to remember how you responded to them when they got rid of the microphone? You know, what's sad is we see that happen today. We see that happen today and we've got to make sure, I truly believe that we are better together. But we better be moving in the arena of the word of God and that will make us better together, but not only better together, but better in the culture that needs to see something of a real identity being released by the authority of Jesus Christ. Now there is a war going on for the saints and there is a war on your belief system. There is an onslaught on your belief system now we know the bible declares this so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what the word of god so we understand that faith comes through revelation by the voice of god And the enemy is going to stop at nothing to war against that revelation that you received from the word of God. Do you remember when Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he was asking his disciples, who do men say that I am? Of course, we know the story. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah, a prophet from old. And he looks and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter stood up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, let me ask you, uh, do you think he ever warred with that revelation? I think from the moment that he released it out of his mouth by declaration the enemy began to war against him about was that really right or was that really God Look at the temptation When Jesus went in the wilderness, it said that the Spirit led him into the wilderness. And the very thing that he was tempted with was the very word that God released to his own son right before he went into the wilderness. He was baptized. The heavens opened up. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He gets out in the wilderness and he says, if you really are the son of God. Because he was coming after his identity because if he could mess with his identity, then he would come up victorious. And the enemy does not stop coming against your faith, your belief system. So the enemy wants to bombard your mind to distract you from hearing from the Lord. If you are constantly focused on the enemy, kind of like Pastor Zach's dream, it moves us from a place of receiving the word of the Lord. Now, this afternoon, it's, it's amazing how the Lord began to open up to me his revelation when we have children. It's amazing how God will speak through your children. So today, like a good father, I w- we homeschool our girls, and I say we, let me rephrase that, Melissa homeschools our girls. And I was at home today, and just for a few minutes, uh, I'm helping Eden with her math. And like a good dad does while she's doing her math, I'm poking her. I'm slapping her on the leg, and she's hitting me while doing her mouth, and she would look at me and say, stop. And, of course, I listen like they do, so when I hear stop, it means please do it again. So I'm poking her, I'm messing with her, I'm pushing her, I'm pulling her, and she's all this, she's doing her work and she's doing really well. She didn't need my help. She was doing just fine without me, but the enemy, this is what he does. We can continue to do the work that we are called to do, but the enemy is constantly poking and pushing and moving and he will not release any relief to you and he's going to keep on doing it until we get the authority. To say enough is enough and we push him back. The only thing is, we can do the work that we are called to do, but our focus is on the enemy. Eden was doing the work that she needed to do and she was getting all the answers right, but she was focused on what dad was doing. So she might have been getting the answers right, but I don't know if she was learning anything besides the fact that dad is really annoying at this moment. The more we are distracted, the more we can easily be conditioned to be deceived. I was listening um, to some messages this, this past few days, and uh, Jack Hibbs, and the message was the days of deception, the D-A-Z-E, the days. You're in a fog. You're in a daze. Of deception and he went through a lot of things and if you get a chance to go listen to that but that's the days that we are in the more we are distracted by the enemy the easier the target is for him to begin to release deception and because we don't see him for what he is a cunning snake that is trying to get in our mind what we will do is we will begin to gravitate by the things that he is releasing because we are distracted by him instead of focusing on the word of the Lord Matthew 24, 24 says this, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. Now, do you remember what we was talking about before, how we live in a culture that is after the supernatural but is settled for for a perversion? What do you think is going to happen when miracles start breaking out? That's not from the hand of God. They're going to stand up and they're going to set their face and stomped their feet, they said, this must be the hand of God, because this has not happened in my lifetime. And there's going to be signs, there's going to be wonders, and it's going to move them right into deception. It's crazy. And not only that, but it says, if possible, even the very elect. Now, what is the very elect? It's the born-again believers, the sanctified, the redeemed by the power of God. It is you and I, and the Bible is saying, look, if possible, we may even be deceived by things that are coming if we are not rooted and grounded in truth and not bought into the distraction of the enemy. There's a purpose behind it. I'm telling you, it's not just a poke and a prodding by the enemy just to harass you. There is a point behind, there is a method to his madness and it's to get you to a place that you can't hear the word of the Lord, you hear the word of deception. And when you hear the word of deception, you begin to operate in a manner that is less than what Jesus Christ has bought and paid for us. How can blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled, sanctified people be deceived by distraction. By distraction after distraction. Let me just tell you real quick a little bit about my story because it's a lot easier for me to talk about me than it is for me to talk about you. Amen? Because you don't get mad if I talk about me, but you may get upset if I talk about you. So we transitioned from pastoring a church over to here in the last few months. And I'm telling you, we have fought hell ever since. But what we have realized in just the last few days, that the reason we are fighting hell is to get us to not believe the word that we know God spoke to us. And that's what he's going to do. And the more distraction that comes, the more attempt it is for you to stop believing what God said about you. The more you get hit, the more you begin to think, well, maybe God doesn't heal. The more you get hit, maybe God really isn't going to come through. The more you get hit, well, maybe my tithing isn't really going to work. The more you get hit, the more you get hit, the more you get hit, the more your belief system will begin to wane because of the distraction of the enemy. And then all of a sudden you start moving into the realm of deception. Guys, it's really serious when the Bible says that we bring every thought into captivity. Now, a lot of people will say, you know what, that's over the top. But you know what, I am sick and tired of the enemy wreaking havoc in my mind because I won't do what the Bible tells me to do. Isn't it amazing, though, a lot of the times when we get sick and tired of the enemy, really the main reason is because we're not doing what the Word of God declares for us to do. Well, God, I want victory, but I don't want to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ I mean people's gonna think I'm a nut if I'm always thinking about God if I'm always declaring the word of God you know what I would a whole lot better God say well done my good and faithful servant instead of everybody looking at me thinking you know what you're okay amen let's move on but you know what you know how easy it is to bring every thought into captivity when you're not being slammed with thoughts from the enemy We have have a good friend that is going through a major battle, and you know, it's amazing to me, and he knows, and we know that people that are reaching out to him saying, you know what, hold on, trust in the Lord, and he says, you know what, sometimes I just want to tell him, be quiet. I don't want to hear it, because we always know what to do when we're not facing the battle. It's always easy to talk about faith when you're not having to produce faith. It's easy to talk about all of these things and to declare all these things, but when you're in the midst of the battle, can you keep declaring that which God said? Because if you don't, I'm telling you, there is no victory. But if we don't, then we are being conditioned for deception. The enemy usually doesn't come to you in a dark, demonic form. He comes with cunning and trickery, enticement to deceive and to slander. And when he does this, when he gets you to not believe, thus saith the Lord, he robs you of your expectation. He robs you of your hope. And we come into the church and we can keep being faithful to come to the house of God. But when we get into a place that we are deceived concerning the word of God that he spoke over us, then we really don't expect anything God to do. Right? Anybody ever came in here and just said, you know what, I should have stayed home today. And you know why we get to that point? It's because he is attacked, the enemy is attacking our belief system. And when our belief system begins to wane, our expectation concerning that belief system begins to wane. The Bible says this in Proverbs thirteen twelve: hope deferred makes the heart sick. Anybody's hope ever been deferred? When your hope is deferred, it makes the heart sick sick when things don't work out as soon as you think they should when things don't return to you as quick as you think that they should what happens is your heart becomes weary and if the heart is weary the enemy is glad more than happy to take advantage of you when you have a weary heart he relishes the opportunity for you to be worn down so he can step in and cause you to be even more wore out. When we lose expectation of God coming through, then we begin to lose all confidence in who God said we were. And when we begin to lose confidence in what God said about us, then we lose confidence for everything. This is what happens. When we lose this, when, and, and hear me when I say this, this happens every time you get a revelation. This happens every time you get a word from the Lord. When God speaks to you, the enemy takes up root, and he says, I am going to combat that word no matter the cost a great example. You can come in here, and I, and I mentioned this before, but you can come in here and you can hear the word of the Lord. You can shout. You can agree. You can say amen. You go out to lunch, and when you get home, your kids may call you and say, how was church? It was great. What pastor preach on? It was good. Why? Because there is a war against the word. Man, uh, a guy that works for me came, we was having this conversation the other day, and uh, we was just talking about endurance and just people sitting underneath preaching, and he said, you know what, people's attention span is about 30 minutes. And I said, I don't really believe that, because if you go to a good movie, your attention span grows. So your attention span goes according to what you desire, Right? The more hungry we get for the word, we won't say, well, pastor went for an hour today. It was long, but when there's a hunger inside of us that is beginning to see a lasting effect that is defeating the enemy because the word is being planted on the inside of us and it is producing the fruit that it was intended to produce, then you know what? We can't get enough of the word, right? Did you know, and this is going to be revelation, Did you know that people's response to what God tells you is not always the same as your response when God spoke to you? And you know that gets aggravating. I I know a lot of times, me Melissa, she does this uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth devotional every morning, and a lot of times I'll come in there and she's like, you've got to read this. Just read this. This is so amazing. This is life-changing. This is exactly what we're going through. And I'll read it and I won't get a thing out of it. And she'll say, did you not get that? And I'm like, and you know what? That excitement, I can see it in her eyes. It just begins to dim. She's like, I'm casting my pearls before swine today. (laughs) But, you know, hear me when I say that, because a lot of times when the word of the Lord comes to a body, and people get excited about it, and then we have a group of people that's not excited about it, then what that does, it opens up the gate for the enemy to come in and war against that word that he just released. Guys, I want you to hear something. Do you know what we've been talking about for the last few months? That's as far as I can go back because that's as long as we've been here. We've been talking about kingdom. We've been talking about kingdom principles. We just went through three weeks about the book of Ephesians, about living the life of victory. Can I tell you why the Lord is releasing that into us? He says, guys, you have got to get this because there's a war that is coming and unless you know that you can live in victory when the war shows up, it's gonna take you out. So when that is released, it's not just so we can come in here and hear another message on no, it's to prepare us, to equip us for that which is coming. And we've got to be ready because everybody in here is in agreement that we are in a war for our lives. Deferred comes from a Greek word. it means seized. So if your hope, your expectation in what God said is seized, it is taking from you, your life becomes miserable in every way possible. And I know all about this. I know all about this. Because then when the enemy gets you in this place, then everything that happens you think is directed towards you. Anybody ever been there before? You've been going through a battle and then somebody doesn't say hi to you. And then all of a sudden the enemy starts whispering in your ear, you know what, you shouldn't even go back because they don't like you. Boy, you miss God. Can I just be honest? In the last few months there has been several times that we have come to the place that said, boy, we're either right in the middle of the will of God and the enemy is mad or we just missed it. Anybody ever been there before? Boy, I heard you, God, and I'm going to move according to what it is that you spoke. And then the enemy says, okay, I'm going to test that. But I also want you to understand that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says God's going to raise up a standard against it. And you can take what God said, and you need to hold on to it no matter, and guys, I might just be preaching to myself tonight, but guys, the word of God is established as soon it is released from his mouth. Right? When your heart is sick, you question everything. And then what we begin to do is we forget about the spiritual aspect of God, and we start seeing everything from a natural view. And I'm telling you, if you try to judge and base the word of God by what you see with the natural eye, you're going to be mistaken all of the time. And this is what happens. When your hope is deferred, you feel like you miss God. And when you feel like you miss God, your hope is deferred. And when your hope is deferred, you feel like you miss God. And when you miss God, do you see the vicious cycle? And it's a merry-go-round that the enemy is just, he's pushing the, the wheel and he's just laughing as loud as he possibly can, thinking he's got you right in the place that he can devour you. There's a war on your expectation. There's a war on your belief system. There's a war on your expectation. There's a war on your hope. And then everything concerning your belief and your hope is wrapped up in this other war called love. Because in essence, really everything that is rooted and grounded in our belief, everything that is rooted and grounded in our hope, is really comes from our root in love. Right? The hardest thing, the hardest fight of your life, and hear me when I say this, the hardest fight in your life is not going to be with the enemy. The hardest fight in your life will be to stay in love with God. I'm not talking about loving God because I think everybody loves God in here. I believe so. Amen. I love him, but I also know that the battle is not just to love him, but it's to stay in deep love with him. That is the battle because do you remember when you got saved and you couldn't shut up about Jesus? and you was getting on people's nerves, and people you worked with, they saw you as a heathen, then something happened, you got an encounter with God, and your life got redeemed, and then all of a sudden, you come in, and you sounded like a schizophrenic the next week, because this is not who left the job Friday, but now we're Monday morning, and he won't be quiet about what happened to him, and the excitement is overtaking you, the joy is overtaking you, you're taking your Bible with you to the lunchroom, and every chance you get, you're ministering to somebody, because you are so passionately in love when the one that just rescued you and then all of a sudden religion sets in and that war on love begins to happen. Guys, the moment you get redeemed, the enemy goes to war on that relationship. And that's not a revelation. Everybody in this room knows that's what happens. But do a lot of us realize that we've succumbed to that attack? You can fail in the area of faith. You can fail in the area of hope, but we must never fail in the area of love. Love will, always lead, love will always lead us back into faith. Love will always lead us back into hope. But not all the times will hope and faith lead you back into love. Because you can play the part and not be in love. You can do the work of the ministry and not. Be in love with God. You can sing the song, you can lift your hands, you can dance the dance of joy and not be in love. Because when you're a love, it makes you do things that you would never, ever, ever do. Amen? Because you begin to serve the Lord with such desire and passion that people will look at you and tell how passionate you really are. But it's the hardest thing to keep alive on the inside of you you can believe god you can trust god and you can wait with patient endurance and still fail in love now we've been talking about 1 corinthians 13 13 i want to read this real quick first corinthians 13 13 it says this and now abide faith hope love these three, but the greatest of these in love. Now, understand when Paul was writing this, he didn't get to the end of this and say, okay, now chapter 14, right? It was a letter to the church of Ephesus, and when you write letters, you just continue to write, amen? So this is, read this again, and now abide faith, hope, love these three, but the greatest of these is love. Pursue love. He said, okay, I'm going to give you the three things that we need to abide in, but as soon as he gets done, the greatest of these is love, and you need to pursue the greatest of these, right? You've got to, and remember, he's speaking to a church church, That has allowed perversion to come in but is still going no holds barred when it comes to spiritual gifts and he's trying to bring some order and he's trying to make sure that the reason we're doing what we're doing is not just to feel good but the reason we're doing what we're doing is to edify the body to glorify God and to convict the sinner. And he said, we need to hone this thing in and make sure that everything that we are doing is from this avenue of love. And the way that that's going to begin to manifest is when you intentionally pursue after that. To be in love with God, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. Amen? Because how many times does the enemy war with what the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. Have you ever been walking through your house and you just hear this whisper, come away with me? You know what that is? That's Holy Spirit saying, look, this is the only way that this love is going to be rekindled. When you respond when I speak and you come away with me and you spend time with me and then all of a sudden what happens is things begin to be transformed on the inside of you. But if we never respond and be intentional in responding, then we're never going to move into that place that we desperately need to be in order to see people come into the kingdom. This is something that I have to go back to several times a year. But you remember Revelation chapter 2. When, when the angel is speaking to the church of Ephesus, this is what he says in Revelation chapter 2. I know your works, your labor, your patience. You cannot bear those who are evil. Sounds pretty good, right? Sounds pretty good. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. You have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Then it goes on. You've you got to remember where you left it, where you've fallen, and you've got to repent, right? You can be doing a whole lot of things good. You can be doing a whole lot of things well. I want you to understand that the church of Ephesus was not just some church on the street corner. Most people believe that Mary, the mother of Jesus, attended this church. Now, you better get it right if mama's going to church there, right? And the thing that they get up and they say that the angel is speaking to the church, look, it's not that you're not being effective. You are being effective. But there's a serious problem while you're being effective, and that is the war upon your love relationship with Jesus. I, uh, I heard this not long ago from a preacher, but he said, John, the revelator, the apostle John, the only apostle who never died as a martyr, for the last several years of his life didn't speak a whole lot, but this is what he would say when they would get the opportunity to hear. That he would get up and he would say this love one another. Isn't that what John said? Isn't that what Jesus said in the book of John? They will know that you are my disciples by the way you what? Love one another. They know, the world will know that we truly belong to him, not by our effectiveness, but by the way that we connect and love one another. Guys, this is why we are moving into this arena in our life. It's not just to change things up to see if it's going to work. It's a strategy from heaven to get us to build relationship to the point that the world will know that we belong to him the way we respond to one another. And if we don't build relationship, then we're never going to love each other the way we need to love each other. And if we don't love each other the way we need to love each other, then there's a world that is looking at the body of Christ that says, why would I get involved there when they don't even like each other? Amen? I also believe that the war on this love is about silencing truth because the reality is this. If you don't love people, you will never tell them the truth. Amen? If you don't love people, If you don't move in that avenue, if we don't love people the way we're, everybody would look at Jesus and say that he was offensive to the religious. Why? Because he would say things that would combat the very thing that they believe because he loved them to the point that says, look, if you don't get involved with the kingdom of God, you're going to live a life that says you're on target and you're going to miss it all. Amen? Amen. And, guys, I want to make sure that we don't miss, but it starts with us coming to this place of loving God. And, and, and you know, isn't it funny? It's not funny. It's aggravating, really, how there are so many churches today that have this on their sign, loving God and loving people. And we have seen it. It's become common, and we don't even think nothing. We, we make it a church cliche. But that, I believe that was also a strategy of the enemy, because really, the more we love God, the more we will begin to inherit his nature to the point that we begin to love people the way that he loved people. One of the common things that me and Melissa, and I wish we did this at the very beginning of when we are battling something, when somebody is, is acting crazy and they're coming against us, but we begin to say, God, let us see their situation through your eyes instead of ours. Right? Because you can be in the middle of a situation and you can get downright mad and ready to fight. Nobody besides me, huh? Nobody gets aggravated at other people? We're having an altar of repentance here in just a minute. We do. Why? Because the enemy continuously bombards us in our mind to get us aggravated about other people, and then we begin to do things that are not what the Word of God declares over us, and it begins to hurt our witness instead of promote our witness. So God, give us vision to see things through your eyes instead of our own. I want to read this, and, and, and I'm going to ask Pastor Zach and Pastor Val to come up in just a moment. We're going to pray over some things, and, and we're going to pray this war that is attacking your belief. We're going to pray off this war that is attacking your hope, and we're going to pray off this war. And guys, hear me when I say we're going to pray off these things. It's not that the enemy is going to stop. The Bible says this, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, when it talks about the fiery darts from the enemy, it doesn't mean he just shoots one at you. And when it doesn't penetrate, he goes about his business. He shoots one. And if it doesn't penetrate, guess what? He's shooting another one. Guess what? He's shooting another one. And he's going to keep shooting until the point that you become weary and drop your shield to the point that he can penetrate. But we're going to pray for the strength of God to come over us and protect us as a body so that way this war upon our belief, this war upon our hope, and this war against our love will not come to fruition, but we will be victorious in these avenues of which people will look at us and say, you know what? I don't know. They may not do everything that I think they should do, but they're the real deal. And if God God can change them he can change me if God can do it for them then God can do it for me if God can transform them God can transform me but Pastor Zach quoted this I'm just, um, last week well pretty sure you read all first Corinthians 13 but this is out of the message translation but listen to this starting in verse 1 of 1st Corinthians 13 if I speak with human eloquence An angelic ecstasy, but don't love. I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. You know how annoying a rusty gate is? You got those doors in your house that when you open them, and every time you open it, you think, I need to get the WD-40 out because it's driving me nuts, but you still don't do it, and next time you think the same thing. It's the same way when we say we can do all these things, but we don't love If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, and no matter what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. You have no, we have nothing without love. We have nothing without love. So, what do we do? What is the answer? How do we deal with the war from the enemy? We abide. We abide in these things. One of the strategies of the enemy is to push you to get you to back up. But, guys, we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices. And, guys, we understand his strategy, so what do we do? We come back with a different game plan. Instead of backing up, we pursue. We pursue faith. We pursue hope. We pursue love. We get a relationship with the word like we've never got a relationship with it before. And I'm going to do this as if Pastor Zach, Pastor Val, will you guys go ahead and, and come up here with me just for a few moments? As we was talking about a while ago, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I want to go ahead and read the fullness of that verse. But Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But listen to this, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. So hope deferred will make your heart sick. But when that desire begins to overtake you, you become rooted and grounded and you become a tree that bears much fruit. You bear much fruit. So you don't back up. You dive in. When the enemy comes against your hope, you take that as a great opportunity to catapult yourself into the arms of God. As we get into this, do you remember that old song? Me and Melissa were singing it or just talking about it today. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And the righteous run into it and they are saved. You know, But what happens is when the enemy comes, we stand outside of the strong tower and we say, God, where is our help coming from? We've got to run into it. Set your eyes upon the hill. That's where your help is coming from. Amen. Go ahead and stand with us, and we're going to pray over you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just begin to come into agreement. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your love. Father, we come into agreement today concerning faith, Lord, and we go ahead and raise up a standard against this war that is vexing, that is wearing down, that is causing people to become weary concerning that which you said. Father, the word of God that is quick, that is powerful, that is sharper than any two-edged sword, not only the written word, but the revealed word. Father, I come against that assault against that which you spoke into the heart of the believer. I say those attacks, they will come to nothing. Those attacks not only will come to nothing, but I declare they will be silenced to the point that we will receive and we will take it with gladness and we will move according to that which you said. Father, I thank you that we can stand firm upon the truth of what declaration you have made, not only to the saints but to the body of Christ. Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are moving in that reality. We thank you that there is no hindrance to moving in that reality. We thank you we are a victorious people. We thank you that we do walk in blessing. We thank you that we do walk in wholeness. We do walk in fullness. And it's not because of what we have done. It's because what you have solidified by your own mouth. And I thank you that when you speak, the enemy has to respond. And no longer will we be deceived by the lying accuser of the brethren, but we will stand fast, we will stand firm upon faith, and we will not be moved, we will be like a tree that is planted by living waters we thank you for it God we declare it over your house we declare it over this region we thank you that people operate in the fullness in the capacity of what you have always declared for them to operate in by the power and the authority of your own name father we thank you for it in the name of Jesus in the
1: name of Jesus
0: in the name of Jesus hallelujah yes
1: Lord Pastor Scott used the example of Jesus talking to Peter and said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hadn't revealed this, but my spirit, my father has revealed it to you. And then he's about ready to really mess up big. And Jesus looks at him and said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that when you are tempted, your faith won't fail. We've got to remember Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. And when we don't even know what to pray, and our hope is being seriously challenged, you need to pray in spirit. You need to pray in tongues. You need to approach the Lord in the spirit and break that power and let your hope arise. Father, we thank you that you have made provision, even through your own spirit, to intercede for us when hope is challenged, when hope is waning, when it looks like it's even failed. You're there to intercede and bring the victory and refresh us because you refresh us by your Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, you're refreshing this, people, those watching online as well as those that are here. And you're bringing that to pass, Lord, and increasing our hope increasing our hope in this house. And Lord, those things that we see, we don't even have to worry about hoping for them because we already reach out and receive them and take them. But that which we don't see yet, we still hope and we stand firm in our hope and we'll not be divided in our hope and we will pray in the spirit to increase our hope In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, that we hold fast to the hope that is within us and can even give an answer for it. Amen. Father we thank
2: you right now God in the name of Jesus that as Paul prayed over the church that we would be strengthened with all might in the inner man and that we would be rooted and grounded in love. Father I pray that we are unshakable I pray that we are unmovable in our love. God that our love for you and our love for one another will grow it will be strengthened and nothing God will be able to shake us out of love God that you have called us to live in you've called us to dwell in and you've called us to exercise. Father as Pastor Scott said Lord by our love shall all men know. I pray God there is such a move of love over this body and over the body of Christ that the world cannot stay in the place they are because they're going to know you Jesus by the love we demonstrate tonight God I stir love I stir the spirit of love I stir the fame of love God within each one of us in a greater measure than we've ever walked in God come on as Pastor said pray come on lift up your voice in the spirit for a few moments for the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost oh oh God I declare that all prejudice that all that anything God that separates us and moves us out of love we take authority over it tonight and declare God that nothing is greater than the love God that you have shown to us, you have given to us, you have placed in us, oh God. Oh Jesus, come on, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Hallelujah. Now abide. Now, abide. now abide abide in faith, in hope, in love. In the greatest of these is love. Now, pursue love. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Pursue love in Jesus, name. in Jesus' name. We in agreement? Amen. Hallelujah. Are you ready for, to pursue? Yes. Hallelujah. Father, I bless your people and I thank you for it in the name of Jesus for what you are doing in the lives of your people. You are transforming us into the very image that you have declared us to operate in, the image of your son, Jesus. Father, and I thank you that the world will see and the world will know that we are yours because of the way we love. In Jesus' name, amen.